Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, how you feeling on this fine Thursday morning? I'm not happy, Eugene. Not happy? I'm not oh, happy. Not happy. Come on, last time we were stoked. Played the air horn like 60 times in the first, like, five minutes. Oh, why not, Chris? Why, why aren't you feeling it? I, I think we jinxed ourselves, Eugene. I, I think we just have to shut the heck up <laughs> when, when just talking about opponents from now on and just give statistical, factual analysis instead of trying to throw our opinions in there because it will now forever bite us in the butt. Yeah, you're right, Chris. Last time we were on the show, I said that everyone could take out a Sharpie and write in a W for Nova before they played LaSalle on Tuesday. But then we found out uh wasn't anywhere near as easy as we thought it was going to be. No. my my blood was boiling watching that game and you know call me spoiled but and you know a w is a w but i am not a happy camper today i I think we've been exposed a little bit what would you say well even though the wildcats won 89 to 79 it was it was definitely a little too close for comfort especially when you know you can say what you want about it being a big five quote-unquote tradition, hardcore rivals. I don't even think we hate LaSalle that much. <laughs> we're, we're not rivals with them. It's only by geographic location we're rivals. And, yeah, it was at the Palestra. It's historic. You got that big five old-school battle. <laughs> I can Stop. see you're just face-palming right now. You're just not Stop. liking this. No, no, it's it's atrocious. You know, that if you, know, you want to, like – Say all that stuff to you know hype up the game and whatever you know go go ahead. I mean we've been do- we've been dealing with it for the past four years, but it, it, if that's the way you have to justify it, making being this game being just a ten point win and looking like crap throughout most of it, I can't take that. Uh, that's not acceptable for the number one team in the nation. Sorry. See, it's one thing if it was you know like kind of like an Illinois or like a Michigan. Like yeah, they don't, they're not ranked, but they, you know they're hanging with the big boys. They're from a pretty good conference. Right. You see them around in the tournament. It's it's LaSalle. They're in the A10. They're not even. They're not good. Oh my god. <laughs> but I mean, you, you got to give. Them, I'll give them some props. They really they really came in. They did not back down. They were not scared. One thing that kind of disappointed me was where was the Villanova fans? It's a neutral core game, and it just yeah. felt like it was all explorer territory. It, 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 it honestly, it didn't even feel like Explorer territory either. Watching that game, it felt like an empty gym, honestly. I mean, yeah, you had some of the student section like getting hyped and whatever, but it was very, very timid for a unranked versus number one team at home type environment. We sent Frank down there and he was covering the game for us. And he said that the traffic was really bad. And so I think by the time tip-off started, I think he said that there were only like 15 people, and that wasn't even an exaggeration. That wasn't even an exaggeration. Really? Yeah, apparently it was just completely atrocious. I saw a number of reporters were complaining about the traffic, how they planned to get there like an hour before tip-off, but they ended up getting there maybe 10, 15 minutes before tip-off. Oh, wow. So apparently Philly traffic rush hour around the Palestra is uh, is a lot. Why? Why? Why is it so bad? Is it just – the location of it or uh. see, I, I don't know see if i was I, I there i would been. take the train like i would not want to drive like why were people taking the train like what is this i i don't know it's in the city right in Penn's campus i can vouch for you and say that there is a train station mm-hmm. like five minutes away from it 
Yeah, that would make sense. It's not like the Wells Fargo Center where it's in the middle of a parking lot in the middle of nowhere. Train would have been a smarter idea. But going back to the game, you know, one thing that stuck out to me, besides LaSalle's will and all that, you got to look at the Villanova end. Mm -hmm. Josh Hart came off a triple-double performance, and he was killing it against St. Joe's. We were all rallying, and everyone had the number one finger up. Everyone was chanting. Everyone was ready for it. Hart didn't look like he had the same touch. He I mean, was granted, trash. Granted, he had 21 points, but 8 eight of 18, 8 of 18, that's that's not ideal. It's bad. It's pretty bad. He did get 8 rebounds, but he just didn't have that same touch that he had against St. Joe's, and that really showed. And not just that, Villanova's defense, going into the game, they were ranked ninth overall, according to Ken Palm, for defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. The only thing that looked efficient was LaSalle's attack because they had no problem. They outshot Nova. LaSalle was 31-59, to 52.5% on the floor. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. That, that's not good. Like, you shouldn't – you don't want to see your opponents shooting that well. I don't even know how Villanova won because 52.5%, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really high. Yeah. It's, it, this team has always lauded itself on its defense. And if you're going to give up that type of shooting performance to Creighton in Omaha, okay, I'll give you a pass. You're not supposed to give that up to LaSalle. It's just mind-boggling that just some, in some of these games, they just, just give up. I want to say give up, but they're just very lax. And just to work in something I heard the other day, I was listening to Jay Wright on WFAN here in the New York, New Jersey area. He was on the Mike Francesa show. And Francesa asked Jay, do you feel there's a sense of complacency amongst this team now that they've been, now that they're ranked number one coming off the national championship, you know, you kind of already hit the pinnacle. And Jay's like, nah, not really. I mean, it kind of snuck in a few times and threw in about the, you know, the one, the half suspensions or the not starting type ordeals. But he said that, you know, Chris and Josh were the leaders in, you know, making sure no one else would do such a thing. And I I think that was very foretelling and kind of a bit of foreshadowing as well, because they came out flat as ever against the LaSalle team that they should have had no problem dismissing. This should have been a 20 to 30 point blowout. It shouldn't be a 10 point game. And I have to say, they looked complacent. Yeah, they looked a little undisciplined. I mean, on defense, guys were overcommitting. They were leaving their assignments open in the corner. It, it just didn't look crisp and clean, and LaSalle was breaking that press pretty easily. And on the other end, Coach Giannini, I'm giving him props because his plan worked. He wanted to run Villanova off the three-point line, which he was able to. They didn't go to the long-range shot a lot, and he wanted to force them to take hard two-point shots, whether it be by, by mid-range or taking contested layups, and it was working for a good amount of the game. Yeah, it was. The announcers kept bringing that up, too, that that was pretty much their game plan, and they executed it very well. What concerns me, though, I I mean, I guess we can talk about this for a little bit, that the rest of the college basketball now has a blueprint to beat us. I mean, if LaSalle's going to keep this game relatively close with that type of game plan, what what do you think Creighton's going to do against us with that type of game plan? What is Xavier going to do with that type of game plan? I don't know. It's it's kind of concerning. Yeah, and the thing was, it works even when Nova's shooting well. Nova shot pretty well on the floor. They shot 50.7%, which on a normal day usually warrants a 15-20 point blowout. Like that's what usually happens when a team shoots like that. Yeah. Yeah, they I mean, if the stats say they played okay, but 
the eye test, they just they didn't pass the eye test at all. <laughs> I mean, one thing that really stuck out to me, though, one positive in all this, Jalen Brunson. I have been mm-hmm. waiting for this moment for his coming out party. I've been hyped about him when I heard he committed. I was kind of hoping he would take a really big role last year, but then we found out exactly very quickly it was still Arch's team, and Jalen was just kind of on the side. Now that we have Jalen in the driver's seat of the Ferrari, we saw what he was able to do. He took over that game, and he was very, very clutch, especially down the stretch. Ten points in the last six minutes and did not miss a single shot or a single free throw, and we needed every single one to clinch that victory. Oh, absolutely. He was phenomenal. Reminded me a lot of that Temple game last year, and everyone kind of donned that as his coming out party for freshman year. And I guess the, he kind of announced he he's arrived for this year as well with this type of game, basically saving Villanova's butt in this one. It's adding on to that, I also thought Mikael Bridges played phenomenal, and I am extremely upset that Jay didn't realize how great he was playing and didn't run the offense through him more. Uh, Bridges finished with 16 points, 6 of 8 shooting, even grabbed 4 boards. It, it seemed that Jay's plan was give the ball to Josh, give the ball to Chris, let them do their thing, let them play like it's an AAU game and hack up shots for days, and even though they're not falling, keep doing it. It wasn't until Jalen started to take over toward the end, like you said, that he we started to work in bridges as well. And that's what should have been done, and that's, that would have you know saved everyone's blood pressure from skyrocketing last night. Instead, we had to have Jenkins shoot 4 of 13 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep, only putting up 12 points because that was a trash performance from an all-pro player. Trash. He shouldn't be doing that. And Jay should have realized that as well. Yeah, Giannini's defense, you know, LaSalle, they really took into Harden Jenkins. They really limited them or limited their efficiency. Like, granted, yeah, they were scoring. They were putting up points. They combined for 33, but they weren't all that efficient, combining for 12 of 31, which is less than ideal. But on the other hand, you know, Brunson, he puts up a, a new career high, 26 points. He loves playing against big five schools. Like you said earlier, he had that big game against Temple, and they also had another big one against Penn. So far, against those two teams, he, he must love playing the Palestra. He must love playing <laughs> Philadelphia basketball. JB Crossover won. Or at least, I don't even think that's his Twitter handle anymore. I think he changed it. I think I think they called him up and were like, Jalen, you're going to need to change that. I don't think that's his <laughs> What did he do? We should find out what he changed it to. It's probably just standard Jalen Bronson. Yeah, it's definitely like Jalen underscore Brunson or Jalen uh, Brunson Nova. Man, JB Crossover, that's a nice nickname. I'm like, I'm on, I'm on board with that one. But, you know, when you look at what LaSalle did, Nova, they did a pretty good job of keeping the Explorers' top scorers in check. You look at BJ Johnson, the transfer from Syracuse and the Lower Marion native, he had 13 points and eight rebounds. And then Jordan Price, yeah, he had that super cool double spin layup on the Villanova defense, mm. but he was limited to only nine points, although he helped in other ways mm-hmm. with six rebounds and six assists. So Nova did a pretty good job of keeping those guys in check, but I think there was a new hero, a new hero for LaSalle on Tuesday night in the form of the guy that we wanted the Pookie watch for, Pookie Powell. Not only am I on the bandwagon for Pookie, I am driving the bandwagon, and I'm letting all the boys and girls on this bandwagon. I loved it. I loved it. How can you not root for a guy named Pookie? <laughs> uh, I could think of several reasons. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, it step back three? He made a step back Kemba Walker three, and I'll be honest. I was like, wow, that's nice. Good for Pookie. I know. It was it was so good, and this was this was definitely – he definitely listened to our podcast the day of. 
right before game time. You know, he, you think he's getting hyped to, you know, Drake, Future, whatever it may be. Nah, he was listening to us. He, he knew we were watching out for him. He wanted, he wanted us to know what he was going to do. Yeah, he was like, they want a Pookie watch? I'll give them a Pookie watch. <laughs> and, and Pookie Powell, if you're listening to this, I was watching. I was watching. Yeah, we were watching one with, one with more enthusiasm than the other because we were going back and forth on this, and I couldn't tell if we was if you were trolling me at first. Um, but it was it was apparent that you were just yeah you were kind of trolling, and I was very just very upset. I'll, I'll be honest, I was rolling with a joke, and then we let the joke run on too long, and he scored twenty seven points off the bench. Yeah, ten to seventeen shooting, three to seven from deep. The scary part was 20 of those points came in the second half alone. Yeah. At at first, I was like, oh, there's Pookie. Look, Pookie's coming out to play. And then next thing you know, Pookie was for real. Pookie was for real. Um, Unfortunately. When we were doing the the preview the other day, it it seemed that he was, you know, more of a tertiary option. It wasn't even, like, the first or second option. And he he clearly became the go-to guy in that game. Yeah, he was doing a lot of exciting stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, boy. So I guess we'll keep Pookie Watch on for the rest of the year, just just not not whenever he plays Nova. Ever. Yeah, now that now that Villanova has gotten the LaSalle game out of the way, if anyone wants to hop on the Pookie bandwagon, I am driving it right now, and we are making all stops on the local line. <laughs> Eugene's the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, you know, the game was just – so close. Even when Pookie Powell wasn't doing that much, especially in the first half, Nova only had a forty to thirty-six lead at half. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I I don't know. I I don't know. I I didn't really understand what was going on. It was that type of game that you felt that all Nova needed was one big run, and that kind of would have just ended it. But they never got that big run. And if they did, and even when they tried to break away, Lasalle kind of just hung around and. I know LaSalle is not good, and we make fun of them, and I've been saying they've been trash for a while. Trash! But they're the type of team that if you let them hang around, these types of games happen. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, there's always a point in a game where an underdog realizes, like, hey, we can take it to these guys. We can hang with them. And I think when they look up at the first half, at the first half buzzer sounds, look at the scoreboard, and they see that they're only four points away, they were like, oh, yeah, we could, we could definitely do this. Yeah, absolutely. And it – it, got, it really got a little bit too close for comfort for Nova when they were with about 14 minutes left. I think it was uh, Demetrius Henry. He went to the line for two free throws. Nova was up two, and he missed both. And then Nova got – it was a 9-0 spurt to gain a little bit of separation. And, yeah, that was like the kind of, kind of the run I was talking about that they, they really needed. You know, I remember I was writing for Big East Coast Bias, and I was like, oh, Time to start writing that recap. Like, this is the end. This is where they get that separation. Mm-hmm. They're going to probably push it a double digits. They got that 9-0 run. You know, Nova's going to cruise after a little bit of a scary start. But, no, that, that didn't happen. Pookie, Pookie and the boys <laughs> did not let that happen. They were hanging around, and they, they were there literally until the last maybe, like, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, Pookie Pants was on fire, especially down the stretch. Yeah, Pookie Bear. Pookie Bear the boys. <laughs> You had a couple of baskets by Powell, and then you had one by Jordan Price. Jordan Price three, and then before you know it, you look at the score again: four point game, yeah. four point game with just over a minute to go. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh, maybe it's not over. Maybe, maybe I should stop writing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe start getting ready for any alternatives." 
you know, that's when you open up a new Microsoft Word tab and you just start coming up with new leads for anything else. It, it, this game was just that type of game where you, you were watching and you're just like, what, what are they doing? <laughs> it, it made you just question everything about the team a little bit. I, I don't know about you. I, you know, the offense was great. Like, I thought they were fine. Like, I thought Jalen Brunson was awesome. I thought he stepped up towards the end, which was very promising. You know, I know people worried that, you know, with Arch gone, like, you know, how, who's going to run the floor? Jalen shows that, you know what, I might be a sophomore, but I can do it. Do my own style of Arch. I might not be Arch, but I can play JB crossover basketball. <laughs> yeah, I, and I am a big fan of JB crossover basketball. You know, he was just he was just great towards the end to just really close it out and get those necessary free throws to pull away. Mm-hmm. But it was just that you know defensively, I don't know if it was just an off night, but they just on defense it was it was a little scary how LaSalle was able to get their shots going at a high clip. Yeah, I, I'm surprised we now you just said that. I'm surprised we didn't call this a trap game because you got the Notre Dame game coming up, and this was this this was a trap game. This was the definition of a trap game. Yeah, first game ranked number one, but Chris, you you failed to look at an important detail. This is Villanova basketball, baby. One day at a time, one oh. play at a time, one basket at a time, right? One drill at a time. I forgot that we're the one only team in the nation that actually obliges by that. I mean, come on, you you cannot tell me that these guys were lo- not looking ahead to this weekend. They considering- were definitely looking ahead. I mean. Come on. Like, yeah, I mean, you say what you will about Villanova basketball attitude, all that crap, but it you had to be. And especially with a pushover at the time, LaSalle team, it was it's pretty easy to dismiss that, that you even had a game. Yeah, and now the scary part is, like you said, that blueprint's out there. And LaSalle might not have gotten it done, but I'm sure coaches, they're, they're calling up ESPN2 for a copy of that film. Yeah. And they're – you know they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take what worked. They're gonna take what was good, mm-hmm. and then they're gonna take the parts that maybe weren't so good, maybe weren't perfect. Clean that up a little bit, and before you have it, you have a game-winning blueprint on how to stop Nova. Mike Bray was definitely just grinning, 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 clapping, smiling, <laughs> licking his <laughs> lips in in excitement to dissect this film. Yeah, in the spirit of Christmas, he remind he. He also kind of reminds me of the Grinch at the end of the movie when he smiles, uh, when his heart grows however many sizes. I forget how many it is. But he, he, I don't know, his smile reminds me of the Grinch. And I kind of feel like that's what he looked like when he saw LaSalle playing the way they did against us. Yeah. That, oh, my oh God. Oh. <laughs> but you know what? It's on to the next one. I mean, the Wildcats are now 3-0 and in big five play. Mm-hmm. And they're in a prime position to close out with a sweep at the pavilion when they take on the Owls. But before we get there, that actually reminds me of something that I wanted to ask you last time, but we couldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. So Adam Zagoria, Zach's blog, he pointed out something to me. So Villanova currently owns a 42-game win streak at the pavilion. And they haven't lost a game since, I don't know if you remember this game, I don't know if you were there. But it was our freshman year. It was 2013. I believe it was February. Providence came to town. And Bryce Cotton nailed a last-second three just before the buzzer to give the Friars the win. And that was the last time the Wildcats lost at the Cozy Ski Lodge. Yeah, I actually do remember that game. I wasn't there. 
think I, I don't remember what it was. It was it was February, so I don't I don't exactly remember what I was doing. But I I did not go, and I was glad I didn't after I saw what happened. I watched the game though, start to finish, but I don't remember why I couldn't go. If I remember correctly, I believe someone proposed during that game. Oh yeah, that's right. That did happen. I remember hearing about that. And unfortunately, it did not go the right way. Wait, she, uh, you got what? denied? Oh no, 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 no! She said yes, but oh, the, oh, the loss. Come oh, on. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, that that's more important. I mean, it would be even worse if if she said no and then Villanova lost. God, like what, <laughs> guys? He'll never forget that day, and he'll just be ruined for the rest of his life. That's that. That would that sounds like one of the worst days ever. At least, at least he didn't drop the ring like that uh, one guy at Yankee Stadium that past summer. That was pretty funny. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I I'll have to check it out on the internet machine. Yeah, it was one of YouTube's more popular videos lately. Anyway, so. As much as we like our streaks and our milestones, we like them to be whole numbers. That's why we care about 100, 150, 200, 250. That's why we like those nice round numbers. So right now we're at 42. How about 50? Can the Wildcats win 50 straight? But in order to do so, interestingly enough, there are eight pavilion games left this season. So they're going to need to win out. Okay. I like that. That's uh I think they can do it. I think they can. I don't really think See, this is tough. Xavier concerns me a little bit, but the way we played them at home last year, I I know two different completely different teams and I know Sumner got hurt at the beginning of that game that kind of threw everyone off their own. I still think they'll take care of Xavier. Georgetown's another big one. First time there for a while. I think they'll beat them. But the one that this LaSalle game doesn't scare you? Like you don't look Stop. at this you're like Stop. you're like, oh you're like, yeah, they're gonna go eight and no for the rest of the year. And <laughs> Stop. But the one that concerns me the most, and I'm falling to the hype uh, I'm succumbing to the hype. It's Creighton. I'm already on the bandwagon and I'm already driving that one too. Yeah. I remember you texting me. I think right around when the season started that Creighton might be the team to actually end the pavilion streak just because uh, just because you, you're just so high on them. And I'm just, I kind of just dismissed that in my head and I'm just like, yeah, no, stop. Um, but now I'm starting to see it. If everything plays out the way it should and everything kind of holds, I, I can see that happening. I can see them getting 49, but the 50th might just be the toughest game of them all. When I started reading about Creighton going into the season, I definitely thought that they were good. I liked what I was reading. I thought that they were going to maybe finish second or third. But the more I've seen them play, and now that we've seen, you know, that they got that big win against Wisconsin, I'm definitely starting to feel a little scared. And I'm definitely on the Bo Watson bandwagon, (laughs) and I am driving that bandwagon. (laughs) I think that they're they're playing very well. I don't know if they're Doug McDermott scary yet, but they're definitely scary. Yeah, I agree. You're now conducting two bandwagons. I don't know if you're going to have enough time to do that. Oh, oh, we, we, we'll we make time. We'll make time. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So you think that they're going to – you think they're going to reach 50 despite Creighton? I say they'll definitely get 49, and I 50 might be – just might be the toughest game out of all of them. Because I can't even think of a game where it would in, – in this win streak that's been close. So far – I guess at the pavilion, 
Uh, I guess it, yeah. Nothing comes straight to mind. I mean, we could probably Bucknell. Bucknell. That, that's the only one I can think of. Oh, that's right. Don't remind Bucknell. me of that. Jeez. Chris Haas. Chris Haas and Gary one. That was one. That was the LaSalle game. That was when. Yeah. That was that when was... I'm pretty sure after that I was like, <laughs> burn everything. Everything's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was this uh that that was our junior year, right? Yeah. Was the. 2014-15 season, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. the one. Now, little, I want to go off topic a little bit here. Last year, did we we didn't have this type of game, did we? Where it was like we kind of came – less, a much lesser opponent kind of came out of nowhere, gave us trouble. No. No. I, I don't I – don't, I, there's none that comes to mind. That scares me because – Last year's team had that killer mentality that they were going to bury anyone who was worse than them, and well, they see, did. The difference was they lost. That was that was that kind of the scary moment. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, but they didn't lose. They didn't get a scare though from anyone. They beat the teams they were supposed to, and that's kind of what gave me hope going into the tournament that year was that they. I don't. I didn't think they were going to have an NC State type ordeal because they weren't going to let these lesser teams hang around with them. I mean, junior year, junior year, we had that type, that type of thing. With you know, you had the Bucknells of the world coming into the pavilion and giving us a scare. I mean, I'm assuming you're talking strictly non-conference, right? Yes, correct. And I oh, kind of okay. yeah, because yeah, because Big East. I mean, we kind of struggled with St. John's at at the Garden last year for a little bit, but other Butler, than that, Georgetown at uh, Georgetown, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, Georgetown would probably be the big. Best example of that because Butler was ranked at third time, and we weren't as good. So that's the other thing. It will be senior night because that Creighton game at the Pavilion will be the last game. Like it, it, it will shape up to be a ranked game, which will definitely be exciting. It will definitely be spirited, and Villanova will be close to tournament form. I would assume by then, mm-hmm. being in late February. Right. So, are they getting fifty, Chris? Now that you mentioned it's senior night, yeah, they'll get 50. You think they'll get 50? I think they'll get 50. I don't think they'll get 50. <sighs> Why is that? I, even I, even I, as much as I hate last night's performance, I still don't. I still think they can still do it. But why? what, what say you? Now, I would be shocked if the loss at the Pavilion came to – any teams not named Xavier Georgetown or Creighton. Mm-hmm. And while Georgetown isn't exactly the Georgetown that we are used to seeing, it's definitely a rivalry game. And as we've seen, Georgetown has beaten Nova before, even though they haven't been quote unquote up to par. Mm-hmm. Xavier is definitely scary, but I'm not too scared of them. But that uh, Creighton, man, Creighton, I, I don't know. I think they're going to spoil it. They're going to oh. spoil the festivities. Mo Watson, Marcus Foster, they're shooting the lights out right now. I don't know if that's going to sustain, but regardless, they're still going to be two, maybe first team, all Big East, or even second team for Marcus Foster. I don't know yet, but they're just playing so well. They just play so well together. And, you know, yeah, Nova's going to get better, but they're going to get better too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're looking real good. And I, I know it's kind of hard to predict a game in March <laughs> when we're in in the beginning of December, but yeah, both it'll definitely be a ranked matchup. Both teams will be 
striving to the postseason. This game might not even matter at, at that point. We don't know. Everything could be wrapped up. All seeding could be clinched. We don't know. But I think just the fact that it's senior night, I just can't give Creighton that game. But I know you can't because you're, you're sick. <laughs> Look, here's what's going to happen. They're going to lose to Creighton, but this will be that loss that drives them, that spurs them deeper into the postseason. Kind of like it, it will have that Seton Hall effect. Oh, really? I, I was going to say that that – that will probably just happen during the Big East tournament. I don't know when or to who, but... Probably to Creighton again. Probably to Creighton again. <laughs> I mean, it, it is really hard to predict because we also don't know what will happen with the other Big East teams. Mm. Like, you know, Providence kind of exploded towards the end. It's just hard. You really don't know. There could be another Seton Hall. Like, it might not be Seton Hall, but there could be another team that has a Seton Hall-type tournament in which they heat up going into March, and then they become a problem. But right now... We'll see. Chris Chris has 50 penciled in. I have 50 lightly penciled in with an erasable pen. We'll see what will happen. I mean, 49, sorry. I have 49 with an erasable pen. Okay. But we'll I, see. I understand we'll see. what you meant. It's all right. I just need to clarify for everybody else out there. Okay, okay. And I want everyone to know that I'm on the, the Benchmob bandwagon, the Villanova bandwagon. The Pookie Powell bandwagon and the Creighton, aka the Maurice Watson Jr., who kind of looks like Chance the Rapper bandwagon. That's three big bandwagons plus your professional bandwagons. But that that's for state of the 76ers, not state of the nomination. Yeah, we'll 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 see we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm on I am on a lot of I'm on a lot of bandwagons. I'm a driver. I should just put professional driver bandwagons. I don't know if that flies on LinkedIn. I don't think so. I'm pretty <laughs> sure if people saw that as my headline, they'd be turned off and just unconnect with me. They would yeah. find like I don't know of anyone who's actually disconnected mm-hmm. with someone LinkedIn, but I'm sure I would be that first person. So while all this pavilion talk is great, yeah, they got a chance to go for the big five crown. On Tuesday, there's a pretty important game in between all this, and it's one that I'm very excited for, and that one that I'm sure you'll be watching. I'm going to be there. I'm coming out of retirement to the rest of the bench, Bob, and I'm going to be there for that game. Just for this one time, I'm going to dust off the cobwebs. Nice. Now, I'm sure you know which game this is. Mm-hmm. It is the big Villanova-Notre Dame game on this Saturday at the Rock. It's finally here. It's finally here. December 10, heavyweight showdown between two ranked undefeated teams. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this game? What What can I possibly say that I have not said in the past 15 other episodes about this game? Because I'm pretty sure I have mentioned it once each t- each episode. Uh, I, I just, I'm just so hyped for this. Just to see Villanova at the Rock. Unfortunately, I am not going. Would have liked to have gone as press. Would have liked to have gone as fan. Struck out on both. Um, but I, I, I just can't wait to watch this game on TV. Just pop my butt on my couch, and with my family in Vermont, I'll just be able to watch this in peace. So yeah, just a little bit of a scouting report on Notre Dame. Bonzi Colson averaging just over 17 points a game, and just over 11 boards per game. So that's a double double. That's that's pretty good for a guard. Shooting 42% from deep, that's also very good. And 50% from the field, that's also very good. So pay attention to him. VJ Beecham, senior forward, averaging 16.8 points per game, 
44% from the field and 36% from deep. Steve Astoria, another senior, 16.4 points per game, just over 50% from the field and 46.2% from three. He is the definition of shooter shoot, and he is also the best defender on the team, bar none. I saw it firsthand when I went to the Barclays Center when they played, oh, I forget, I think it was Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, CVF. CVF, baby. Great game, but he was the lockdown defender on walk on on walk up did everything he could walk up still put up like what was like 20 25 and but he he is very good defender and then matt farrell kind of secondary option for notre dame junior guard 12.4 points per game averaging just over five assists as well also perfect from the free throw line little fun fact and that just kind of if you if you haven't been paying attention all these guys are averaging high amounts points and that means in the kempom rankings they're eighth in offensive efficiency that's absurd and this is going to be a battle of offense for Notre Dame and a battle of defense for Villanova. Something's got to give. One of the factors that might help with this uh, determining a winner is the free throws. Notre Dame is shooting 85.9% from the free throw line. That is the best in the nation. <laughs> I don't know what Villanova has to do. Just just don't commit the fouls. Just keep them off the line. Let them shoot. Even though they're shooting at a pretty high percentage, I'd rather take my chances with that. And they also have the lowest turnover rate in D1 at 11.7%. How is this team only 22 is what I got to say. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how it is. You know, you, you start out unranked and then, yeah, you might go undefeated. But it isn't until you get that marquee win. Do you really shoot up the polls? Like, I mean, remember what happened with Battle for Atlantis? Mm-hmm. You know, Nova came in unranked, beats USC, beats kansas and then beat iowa and before you know it they they jumped to eight did they didn't they shoot us up to like eight or something insane like yeah 12 we were definitely top half of the poll i don't know about top 10 but yeah we were up there we were we got you know we came out of nowhere yeah i i just remember thinking like oh they'll probably put us like high tens probably hover around 20 mm-hmm. and then nope nope just just elevate us straight to the top yeah those those early season tournament tournaments do wonders for your rankings if you're actually good. You know, just going, looking at Notre Dame's personnel, Steve Asteria is one to watch. He wasn't that good on offense last year. He was just primarily a defense guy. Mm-hmm. His numbers took a slight dip on the scoring end. But now he's shooting way above what he's done before. Mm-hmm. And is really becoming a two-way player. You got to expect he'll be on Josh Hart. That That's just... You have to, yeah. And so, you know, Josh Hart goes 8 for 18 against LaSalle defense. I don't think I, – I don't. I think, you know, I'd love to think Steve Esther is more talented than the LaSalle defense. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to agree with that sentiment. But the Wildcats, the biggest point for them is they need to stay disciplined. They can't overcommit. They can't do anything like that. This team is not going to turn the ball over very much. If they do, well, that's certainly a plus for Nova. But defense, 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 so important. Much more defense. I mean, you can, you can argue that Notre Dame is shooting at such an unsustainable rate. I mean, you, you're looking at these percentages, and I don't, I, it's just there's just no way Notre Dame can sustain that type of success over a whole year. So maybe that starts to change with the game where they actually have to play a pretty good defense. But I, I just I don't know. I just don't know. The way Villanova played against LaSalle, that the, uh, 
it, I don't, I think anyone can play against our defense now. Just, I know that's a complete overreaction to one game where we came out lackadaisical, but I don't know. It's a little concerning, but as, as we joked over text message the other day, <laughs> just because we had a close game against the Sal obviously means that we're going to win by 25 against Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. If, because we had a close scare, we're going to win by 25. If they lost, that just meant we we're going to win by 40. I don't know what it is, but Villanova <laughs> just doesn't lose back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. And that first game back after a loss is usually a big win. So, yeah. even though they didn't lose, I'm pretty sure Jay made them run a lot of suicides in the gym. Mm-hmm. I sected the film. And I think everything's going to get a little back on track, if not better. All right. So, in the battle of undefeated Catholic schools, both with great networks in the New York, New Jersey metro area. Who do you have? Well, I picked Villanova in our preseason preview show, and I'm going to change that. What? What? I'm I'm going Notre Dame. Wow. I just, I am just so aggravated at the way they played on Tuesday. I just can't with full confidence say that against a ranked team now that they're going to do any good. I got Notre Dame. Oh, man. See, at first I thought Nova's size was, you know, Nova go against size would be their greatest kryptonite. But obviously Mm -hmm. LaSalle isn't that very – they're not big at all. Mm -hmm. And they were able to do that. But I don't know. I'm still sticking to the theory that Nova's going to come back and they're going to look polished. They're going to look great on defense. And they're going to shut them down. They're going to shut them down. I don't think we're going to have a Pookie watch. I don't think we're going to have a Bonzi watch. No Bonzi watch. Bonzi watch. Yeah, we got to stop the watches. Yeah, we got to stop the watches. Some, I think someone's like picking it up and tweeting them out. And then before we know, it will be like uh, an, uh, an incident a couple years back. Oh, yeah. But Bulletin were... board incident. I am going to go with Nova. It's definitely going to look like a big game. I mean, Notre Dame football isn't a thing right now. They're so. Trash. It looks like all the domers and their supporters will be behind the basketball team. So we're, and I think it's sold out too. So it's definitely going to be awesome. Yeah, it's got to be sold out. And also, don't forget, you got Penn State Pitt right after. So, I mean, you'll get their fan bases in there too. And I'm sure none of them like Notre Dame. So, I mean, it'll definitely help Villanova. I guess it'll be less neutral in that sense. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is a doubleheader. I, I forgot about that. I just mm-hmm. I just look at this Villanova Notre Dame. I'm just so excited to be there. I can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, I know. When uh, when I, I mentioned it before, when I was listening on the fan and Francesca was pitching the whole "Never Forget Classic," he kept he always kept mentioning every time he would say Jay's name, coach of the uh, coach of the Villanova Wildcats, defending national championship, defending national champions, num- currently the number one team. We literally say that after every question, and <laughs> it was just like we get it, Mike. I understand. And I think that's just because, I don't know, I feel like this area isn't that big into college basketball if you're not, like, from – basically, if you're not a Villanova alumni or even Notre Dame to a lesser extent. And it's two of the biggest fan bases and alumni bases in this state. So when, when you know, St. John's is terrible, and, I mean, that's pretty much it for, for local ones that are worth mentioning. Fordham's never been relevant. Um it, it's kind of hard to get into college basketball around here, so I guess no one really knows about it. So that's, I guess that's kind of why they had him on in the first place. I want to take the attention for a minute mm-hmm. off the court to something Mark Jackson said. Yes. In a tweet by Jason Belzer, 
a sports attorney that represents coaches. He's a writer for Forbes, D1 ticker, and is also a professor of sports law at the beautiful University of Rutgers in Jersey. Do you like Rutgers, Chris? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, he quoted the Villanova Athletic Director, and he got Jackson, who said, quote, we have one program, basketball, that generates a little bit of revenue and then 23 programs that lose it. What do you have to think about this? Just, just you know, before we go into it further, what are your thoughts on this? It's surprising. Not, not actually, I shouldn't say surprising. It's not surprising. <laughs> I'd say that the most surprising thing of that statement is the fact that basketball just generates a little bit of revenue. I would expect everyone else to either break even or lose a little bit. But I, I was expecting the basketball team to bring in a a huge amount. Yeah, it's something that comes up time and time again. You know, many people make the assumption that most sports teams on a college campus make money or that because of the success of one team, they generate millions of dollars of profit mm-hmm. and they generate enough money that the athletic department just overflows with stuff and then they can always build a new stadium or upgrade their arenas. But mm-hmm. it's not like that. It's That's not the case. They posted a link to the spreadsheet that had all the numbers for Villanova dating back to, I think, 10 or 15 years, looking at men's basketball, football, women's basketball, just because those were the three money most money-making programs that our school has. Mm-hmm. And as a business graduate of Villanova's fine, esteemed, also number one ranked business school, <laughs> what were some things you noticed looking at the spreadsheet? So, yeah, putting my great business acumen into uh, work here, pretty much every year, the Grand total revenues and expenses, pretty much the same, dollar for dollar. There was a few years, I think it was about three years in there where revenues just at, uh, outgained the expenses. But yeah, it is, it, it's even. They break even on everything. It's, it's ridiculous. When you take into effect those three, there's just those three. And God only knows what's going on with cross country and volleyball and, swimming and all, all those other sports, I'm sure they're all losing. So it doesn't shock me, but it's, it, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel because you, you would think that they would bring in some type of, of excessive revenue, some profit. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the other teams are D1 athletes too. It's not like they're staying at a Motel 6 when they travel and they're flying. I don't I don't even, I can't even name like a terrible airline. Like, I don't know. Right. You know, you gotta, you still gotta feed the athletes when they travel. You gotta house them. Mm-hmm. And that, that alone just costs a lot of money. Then there's always equipment and just all that stuff. And when you look around, you have Vill- Villanova basketball is bringing crowds. It's packing the pavilion, but no one's packing Jake Nevin for volleyball or, you know, no one's coming out to the West soccer fields out on West campus and packing the stands for the soccer game. And not only that, yeah, basketball games are ticketed. Football is too, but football, when was the last time they failed to capacity? They only do it once a year for parents' weekend. Like it's, Yeah, and if you're lucky, homecoming weekend. Yeah. If and you look at all the other sports, they're not charging tickets because they can't afford it. Like right. they, they barely have a couple hundred people come out, and the next thing you want to throw ticket prices on them, like no one's – it's hard. It's hard, yeah, I agree it's you can't really and you don't want to charge the students either I mean, that's how you get to pack these stadiums to whatever you can you're losing out on an opportunity there but it's like it it kind of you have to balance it too by trying to appease your students and and revenue i mean you're already taking in 50 to 60 grand from pretty much everyone on that campus for tuition now you want to make them pay for 
for tickets to go see basketball. And just imagine if you had to pay for football or even women's basketball. Like, I don't think you would even get even less attendance. You know, it makes sense why Villanova parades the basketball team so much, the men's basketball team so much, mm-hmm. because they literally need every dollar. They need every dollar. Yep. They do. And it has to just, you just have to try to offset as many losses as possible with just one program. But it's just, it's just impossible to do. It's just the sheer numbers of it. Yeah. And this, this also goes back to the whole question should we pay college athletes? And I think we need to change that conversation around a little bit. I think the real question we should be asking is can we even afford to pay college athletes? Yeah. The spreadsheet says no. <laughs> yeah. There's this like general misconception that, Oh, this is a good basketball school. Oh, this is a good football school. They're raking it in. Everyone's living in a golden locker room and the money's flowing out of the water fountains. And it's just not. That's just not the case. Yeah. They literally make up for all the other sports teams around. Yeah, we do. If, you're, if we're looking at data from uh, just the FBS schools alone, 128 programs, 20 schools reported that they were making more than they were spending. So, th- so that's a profit. That, that's, that's just 20 schools out of 128. And I bet you. Some of them, like, you know, your Alabamas, your LSUs, your USCs. That's an absurd percentage as to what schools aren't making money off football. Athletes want to get paid? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you could throw in the argument, oh, well, they're breaking in so much from tuition, but then you got to pay the teachers, the professors, and all types of other faculty, and your staff. And it's just, it, it's just too, it's a lot of expenses there, too. Like you said, there's this misconception that there's so many big programs out there that rake in millions and millions of dollars, but the numbers say no. <laughs> yeah, like we think that the Villanova basketball budget is like fifty, a hundred million dollars, but in reality, it's not. It, it's, it, there, there's really the spreadsheet shows. There's transparency here. You can find the spreadsheet. It's online. It's posted, and Villanova's not raking in the dough for its basketball team, at least in comparison to what we think that they are bringing in, so to speak. Right. I mean, you you know, you mentioned college football with the, at the FBS level. It isn't that different from college basketball, unless if you're big time, unless if you're Louisville, Duke, Kentucky, Arizona, Kansas, like those big name programs, you're not raking in the millions. In the 2014 NCAA tournament, two out of every five tournament team reported that they're either breaking even or losing money. Wow. Yeah, we love seeing the Cinderella schools. Like we love to see... George Mason go to the Final Four or Florida Gulf Coast University. Loved what they did in La Jolla's. Mm-hmm. Make it to the Sweet 16. But they lost money. The more the deeper they went to the tournament, the more money they were losing. Yeah. It, all, you gain, all you gain is just exposure. And I guess that mean, that leads to like more applications, which means more revenue and possibly more tuition because then you can expand the school. But it's not an immediate effect. That takes time to like fully reap the benefits. But in, in the in the short term, you're expending much more than you're you're bringing in. Yeah, and you know it also makes sense just because while it, Villanova plays on a national network, and a lot of these ACC schools they're on ESPN, Power Five conferences they're covered, they're mm-hmm. covered. But you look at all the other smaller D1 conferences like the SWAC, the MAC, mm-hmm. all you know all these other schools they they're not they don't have big TV deals. And they're definitely losing money. And yeah, Villanova has this great TV deal with Fox Sports 1. They're nationally ranked. They're on TV. But if they're only making a little bit of money... What are the other schools? Yeah, exactly. Like if you're not a blue blood or if you're not 
a big name brand that's across the country, it's scary. It's scary. Honestly, I think schools do lose a lot of their athletics program. Yeah, they do. It's it's and it's I, I don't know why like a lot of people don't talk about that at all. I mean, you you see guys like Jay Billis on ESPN always tweeting about, oh, athletes should be get, be paid. You know, everyone up top's pocketing the money, all the profits, blah blah blah. But it's like just a small percentage of schools are doing that. <laughs> there's just there's just not there's just not enough substance out there for and enough revenue potential to to pay your athletes. It it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, we just have this misconception that. Like like Jay Billis said, the, all the big wigs are just raking in the dough and hoarding it. Jay yeah, Wright has yeah. all, like a money room in his house. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that's true. Yeah, there's not like they're all sleeping on mattresses, like topped off with uh, loads of cash underneath. Oh my man, it's just it's crazy when you look at that spreadsheet. We're talking we're talking millions too. Yeah. Like this is like it yeah. is not chump change. It's literally dollar for dollar even, spent yeah. and gained. Maybe we can tweet this out after because I like. I bet you our listeners will understand what we're talking about more if we show them the spreadsheet. But it it is dollar for dollar revenue expenses. They they are breaking even at best. With a few years, they had a little bit of revenue, uh, a little bit more revenue. It's crazy, man. It's definitely something that is not talked about as much as it should. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's easy to say college athletes should be paid or they should be paid, but when you look at these numbers. It's not even a question. No. It's not. No. And then you know where they're going to get the money from if they do want to pay them? Getting it from us. The t- exactly. <laughs> the regular the tuition office. payers. Yeah. yeah. You're getting a jack in prices, and with tuition being ridiculous as is, no one's going to be happy about that. Yeah, only a handful of schools can afford to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to force everyone to do it, now we're just talking about even more losses. Right. Then I think you'll see a lot more losses than you do teams breaking even or, you know, right. yeah, there's some making profit, but a lot of them are just over the line by a little bit. Right. Yeah, you're going to be – you're gonna if, if they did that, they might start running out of schools for the NCAA tournament because all the programs are going to fold. You're not going to be able to afford it. But yeah, we're definitely going to tweet it out. We're going to tweet out the spreadsheet just so you guys can take a look at it mm-hmm. and that tweet from – Jason Belzer. In the meantime, we're going to look at the other stuff happening this weekend. First off, the men's and women's track and field teams are going to Darren Hilliard's beautiful hometown of Bethlehem. Not the not to be confused with the Bethlehem Jesus was in. Mm. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Bethlehem Steel. Right. Throw although, back to that old nickname. Yeah, although we might consider Hilliard Jesus. Now, the track teams, they're going to be Hoping to rack up some fast times at the Fast Times Meet. It's taking place today and also Friday. It's not a very original name. No. Fast Times Meet. Who came up with that? But have you ever seen the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I actually haven't seen it in full. I've seen, like, I, I know what it's about. I've seen a few scenes, and I've never seen the full thing. Which which scenes, Chris? Chris, did you see the poolside scene? You definitely saw the pool oh, scene. Probably. I don't, I don't remember. I, I know that it was on once when I was doing homework in our apartment last year and it was just on comedy central on like a weekend. And it was one of their movies that they played, but I, I do not remember. <laughs> it's definitely a good movie. It's one of those eighties coming of age. It's kind of like Dazed and Confused, you know, just a bunch of teenagers running around. Yeah. Dazed and Confused. I, I know. 
not fast times. Check it out. Definitely check it out. It's pretty good. It's a classic. Women's basketball resumes big five play against Temple this Saturday, taking on the Owls at the Pavilion at 1 p.m. Villanova's coming in with a three-game winning streak. Just had their best winning performance, especially on defense, in the win against Lehigh. Meanwhile, Temple is 4-3, and three, coming off of a loss to Hampton. So far this season, the two wins that these two teams have in common is that they've both beaten St. Joe's and they've both beaten LaSalle. The Owls did it by the same exact score of 86-70 to 70 on back-to-back games. So that's pretty, that's pretty kooky. That's pretty scary. Oh, yeah. That's like Illuminati-type stuff right there. Yes, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> now, Temple had a hot start to the season, but they've been a little streaky lately. Meanwhile, Villanova's coming in with a red-hot winning streak. Who you got? I'll, get, I'll go with the Cats here. They're home. Temple didn't look that great against Hampton. And I don't even know how good Hampton is. And I know they beat St. Joe's in LaSalle, like we just mentioned. But a loss to Hampton, that, that's no good. So let's, let's, let's go with the Cats. I'll, I'll, I'll take the streaking Cats in this one. They're starting to figure it out. You know, they, a number of those losses really could have gone either way that Villanova's had. But now that they're putting together that win streak, they're starting to mesh. They're going to be at home. I, I like their chances. Yeah, and if, if their defense is anything like it was uh, last game against Lehigh, they'll... Uh, they should they should win this pretty handily. And you might notice, sports action's a little little skimp, a little light this weekend. Yeah, we we didn't really mention any other sports besides basketball. Yeah, when I was looking it up, I was like, man, this is kind of weird. But then I realized, and it's something that we both no longer have to experience. Finals week is right around the corner. Oh my god, that exists though for other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh <it's>, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the university's still churning out tests and still churning out kids. Uh, at Farley, in and out, late hours of the night. No, oh, jeez, <laughs> kids, kids staying overnight in twenty-four hour lounge, same, same outfit, forty-eight hours. We, we've both been there. Oh, I've been there, and let me tell you, the espresso shots at Holy Grounds are your friend. So are the muffins of any kind. Particularly, I'm a big fan of the the lemon, the lemon one. I don't, I don't remember what it was called, but the lemon one was good, and the banana chocolate chip. Two favorites. Yeah. Two favorites. Yeah, banana chocolate chip, and I don't know if they had the red velvet ones in the, at the 24-hour launch. I don't remember. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a luxury item. The fact that they built that, <laughs> that's a cupcake. I'm sorry, that's a cupcake yeah, right it, there. It, it basically was. <laughs> it was dessert for breakfast. <laughs> or, and, and for breakfast also, if, unless you're, if you're like our friend, you can also get M&Ms and the Sprite. That, that could be your breakfast as well. Don't do that on <laughs> just, just there's one thing you if you ignore our breakfast or snack advice or how to stay awake advice or enjoy make your 24 hour lounge experience as enjoyable as possible. Just, just don't get the M and M's. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and subscribing to State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't done so, it's on iTunes for free. You can't you can't argue with some free stuff. You can't hate on free stuff. Also, don't forget to check us out at viewbenchmob.com for updates and news on all things Villanova sports. And of course, please follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. Or you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman. Nova Nation, have a good weekend. We're number one and I hope to see all of you there, or at least hear of you all tuning in to when the Cats play the Fighting Irish at the Rock on Saturday.